way things are, the breath of the body, the silence. This is a continuous practice of bringing attention to the, to the moment as is, because if we don't do this, then the mind wanders away with our habitual thinking. <clears throat> to develop a, an attitude of being fully content and accepting just one inhalation and one exhalation. This is kind of totally humbling uh, uh, limitation. We're not trying to attain jhanas or become enlightened beings, but just being more receptive to just the imperfections and inabilities and conditions of this sensory realm that we're very much part of the in the conditioned habits, tendencies that we've acquired. It takes a, a real surrender, doesn't it, to just be with one breath at a time and one step at a time and just being able to do what has to be done now rather than this tendency to look forward or look to the future or the past. There's always something to do, isn't there? In the, the future, there's always there's so much to do in the future. Chuck a block. In the past, by the time you've lived 57 years, you've, got, you've done an awful lot. 57 years of memories. Future, still healthy enough to do a lot. Last year I went around the world twice and uh, did a lot. A very busy, active man. There's a lot more to do. A lot more monasteries to establish, monks to ordain, nuns, and and uh, people to to want to hear the Dhamma and and all these. There's so many things, good things to do, not just selfish. Uh, little things, I don't think to myself. The future, there's a trip to New Zealand, Australia, and then on and on. I can just think for next year, the diary's almost filled up already, or this year's diary. Probably next year's. <laughs> Tornadon gave me a five-year diary. She's very sensitive to my needs. <laughs> Five years are probably what I need now. <laughs> but in this moment, it's this way. There's silence. The body's like this. There's the breath. The mood. Things are just the way they are. And the surrender to that. They just... And you can see the, the habit tendencies or the character traits. And we tend to want to, there's not enough, a restlessness, uh, kind of frustration with the, the way things are right now is not enough. It's got to be more than that. I've got to become something. Something has, there's a lot to do with it. The Gulf crisis. There's uh, tomorrow's the 15th, the deadline. And that deadline has an ominous ring to it, doesn't it? Deadline. Sounds like it might actually, you could take it quite literally. And there's so many, the burgeoning population, the pollution, ecology, Soviet Union's going berserk, sending troops into Lithuania, and uh, everything's getting pretty heavy. Must really be a pretty heavy time in the universe. And we've got this, just think about the Soviet Union trying to straighten up that mess. Glad I'm not President Gorbachev. 
better to be just a, a little old bhikkhu here, isn't it? Just old and uh, just one breath. And to be president of the Soviet Union, having to deal with those, those Lithuanians who want, want their freedom, and all the other people that have been oppressed and beaten down by the Soviet system for so long, they're all, they're all screaming and yelling. Let that be a warning to you. If you go around tyrannizing, tyrannizing people and, and uh, oppressing them, you can expect the, the, the same thing to happen to you. Suddenly they'll all just come at you. When they, have a, when they have a free moment, they'll be at your throat. Tyrants always end up in miserable circumstances. But the, the samana, just uh, one content, the food given today, a very gracious offering of food, and uh, the shelter for the night, and the electric blankets, grateful for that. Grateful for that porridge this morning, and the robes, and the medicines. Grateful for the Romanian senility cure. <laughs> Victoria Gerardi gave me some super medicines from Romania. <laughs> I've learned to inject this medicine into my buttocks, the syringe. Can you imagine giving yourself a shot in the butt? <laughs> and these are the medicines, the fourth requisite. <laughs> We're grateful. <laughs> grateful for the uh, for the, uh, all of you to to live with. Because Sita Daraz and Anagarikas and lay people that want to just be moral, want to restrain yourselves morally. We don't make immoral demands on each other. You know how nice that is? To not be kind of looking at each other for kind of immoral interests, making demands or exploiting each other for in that way. You realize what, what a, a lovely situation it is to be with people who have taken a, decided to live in a very moral way, a very restrained and graceful way, skillful way. <clears throat> so there's a lot to, that one feels gratitude for. Uh, living in Britain, I feel very grateful. I really like this country. It's been a wonderful country to, to live in and to be a monk in. So that there's, when I look at my life, there's experiences of it and, uh, and the uh, quality of it and the results of it, that one feels only gratitude and relief. Katanyu, Katanyu Gatawaiti, the Pali word for gratitude. So with Gadanyu, you, you reflect, you think, uh, you use your thinking capacity in order to bring into your mind the good things of your life. You, you, you consider that being an alms mendicant, you are dependent upon kindness from other people. 
we have to live only in places where there are kind people. We can't survive if there if people are not kind or they're selfish and they don't care and they're not interested and they have no respect for the Sangha and they, they don't want to share anything with us. We couldn't possibly... Uh, I've never been asked to Baghdad yet to establish a monastery. And I don't think I particularly want to go right now. <laughs> But they, when we when we think, when we bring into our mind all that that has been good in our lives, and, uh, as an alms mendicant, because we don't, we we are not expecting a lot, and if we do expect a lot, then we we're trying to see that expectation as a condition which we let go of rather than grasp. I was never expecting or demanding the Romanian senility cure. It just came to me. <laughs> and the... Amravati itself was, seemed to just happen because it, it seemed to be the right time and the right place and things coming together in which such an establishment was possible. Chithurst and the different monasteries that, that we have, uh, the not kind of uh, attempts at manipulating and, and forcing situations, they just happen because there are kind people, interested people, and wanting to, to support the Sangha, respecting those who are living, uh, say, a moral life and practicing the Dhamma. So when we reflect in this way, we we feel uh, gratitude if we've been living in a in a proper way, if we have been taking advantage of the system or not living in a proper way, then we only feel guilty by our lives. We can't. We can't live this life if we're not honest and if we're not impeccable with it. We have to be impeccable. We have to be really determined to be uh, as sincere as we can and to, to live within the restraint of our Vinaya discipline and to practice the Dhamma and to really determine to let go of selfish uh, mental states and self-interest and pettiness, meanness of heart, all these, the way we do certainly feel, we can certainly feel these impulses, but we, we are so determined not to be, not to follow those impulses, not to identify, to be able to see the Dhamma rather than to react to the impulse. Now the greedy mind is not content with this, the roof over the head for one night, or the alms meal, or the medicine, or the robe. The greedy mind is always thinking about what I'm going to get, more of this and more of that. It's always planning for the future, trying to, to uh, want it, with the present allowances is, uh, is taken for granted. So the mind goes off to the future. What I'm going to do next, what I'm going to get next. <coughs> In order to develop Katanyu, you, you have to, you, you must bring into your conscious mind the uh, the, uh, the the way it is as a as a samana. It's a, it's a contemplate the fact that why should anybody give us a meal? 
as a person. Why, why, why do people support Amravati? And we just take it for granted that somehow they should. That it's that just uh, that somehow they just I'm here, so they should support it. Or all kind of just uh, never even thinking or contemplating. Where did who pays the bills? Where did who's paying for this electricity and and uh, and the uh, running costs of a monastery and so forth? How does that get paid for? Well, none of you are burdened with any of that, are you? You don't even have to think about it. <laughs> you don't have to see the bills. <laughs> and yet they always get paid. We're not in debt, and and uh, they and a, and a place like this is uh, an expensive place to keep going, isn't it? Feeding how many sixty people a day on alms food or or uh, it's in the wintertime trying to keep warm. All the different things that, that one has to use money for, uh, and yet this, this, the costs are, come in. We, we don't, you don't see us going around kind of begging for money or kind of badgering people as soon as they get in the gate, asking them for some money or charging them fees or anything. It's just that this is because of the goodness and the, the of our lives, the sincerity and the determination on the spiritual plane. But you must never take it for granted. So with Gadanyu, Gatavati, you, 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 you bring to your mind how people donate uh, give dana, give food, give uh, financial donations, and so forth, so that, that we can practice the Dhamma and live as a, as a samana. <clears throat> and therefore then we feel, uh, uh, at least I do, when I, when I contemplate this, I feel so grateful that, I, that it, it gives me much more kind of energy to practice with gratitude, Gatanya, uh, you feel it's, it invigorates your mind. You, you want to really practice. You want to be a really good samana. You don't want to, to be half-hearted or cheap in any way, or be in any way unworthy of the respect that people give you or the offerings, donations that they make. Now, where does this come from? This this aspiration to be good and to be noble and honest, impeccable, not always successful, not always all that good or noble. I mean, I do have human uh, weaknesses like everyone else, but this, this, this uh, aspiration is very strong is more important to me than anything else. More important to live this life fully and completely, wholeheartedly, than, than to do anything else that I can possibly think of. I can't think of anything else worth doing. I can think of a lot of things to do, but none of it is very worthy in my, in my uh, list of what's worthwhile at least in, in regards to my own capabilities as, a, as an individual human being. So one feels gratitude to the Buddha for establishing the order, the bhikkhu order, for having taught the Dhamma. This sense of gratitude and appreciation gives us that direction, that, that uh, increases our effort and our determination because we're coming from a lineage that has been, a, been incredibly powerful for 2,500 years and still has tremendous power and ability to, to help an average, ordinary human being like myself to be able to understand more 
clearly and to see things in a better way and to get out of the the dreary old habits, selfish attitudes and so forth, that that uh, that if one didn't have such a clear teaching or such a fine vehicle, one would be, you know, I can't imagine what I'd be like at age 57. Shudder to think of it. At age 30, I was, it was getting pretty dreary. And if I just kept going from, the, from that kind of deluded place I was when I was 30, uh, ooh, 57. Now, when we become experts and, and people that have high standards and, and uh, people that uh, have uh, arrogant attitudes and, and want things uh, on a, for ourselves and to be, not want a life that is convenient and easy and where we're respected and where everything goes well and, and uh, everything's secure, then we become very frustrated and angry when life doesn't, doesn't give us what we want. We feel we've been let down. But as a summoner, now, what do we, we work from a very low level, from just the, the breath of the body, the way things are. Our standards are very low, aren't they, in regards to the material world. Rag robes, alms food, shelter for the night, simple medicines. There are many in senility cures. Not, uh, 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 it was not a, a demand. It's just a gift. Otherwise, I just have to use fermented urine. Fermented cow's urine. Well, I think one could probably, that might be more effective. <laughs> <laughs> Our human state is is like this, isn't it? There, we're here because of an aspiration of our heart. Our hearts want to be liberated. We don't want to be stuck in this in the dark realms and caught in the pettiness and foolishness of our society. Our society is incredibly silly. The world is human society now is very, very foolish and deluded everywhere. And you can see it's just going in the Gulf crisis is just a, a, a um, result, comic result of, of this awful selfishness and, and short-sightedness. People where are people with vision and understanding of truth? And you, know, you can't think of any. People in the, say, leadership positions, of the head of countries and so forth, one only sees a, a kind of, at best, well-intentioned ignorance. At worst, just uh, bloody-minded tyranny. So is it, is it possible for a human being to be enlightened, to know the truth? Or are we just stuck in an ignorant realm and, and there's no way out? Is, should we just become cynics or just try to ignore things and get on with our lives in, the, in just uh, maybe, you know, living a, a life just for kind of getting some security and some kind of moments of happiness out of it? Or can we use our lives for understanding the truth, realizing the Dhamma? So this is, this is the whole purpose of our life, isn't it? To realize the truth, 
for ourselves, each one. And the truth is to be realized, each one for themselves. Bajitang we winyuhi. But to realize the truth, you have to have a very strong determination to get through uh, all the selfish accumulations of your life. It has to be so powerful a determination that nothing else is important can equal that in importance. And you notice the monks and nuns who have that determination, and then there's monks and nuns who are somewhat half-hearted about it and wavering all over the place. Kind of idealistic in moments and enthused and inspired and then it all goes into doubt and despair and wanting something else. And that kind of mind not going to get anywhere. You just, whatever you do, you're going to be, you're, you're going to be a mediocre character. Here's the, to realize, to, to, to realize truth, enlightenment, there have to be a total one-pointed dedication under all conditions. Conditions aren't important, it's, it's the here and now. Here and now we have, say, this, this is the way it is, this life at Amravati, the winter's retreat, the breath of the body, in this retreat, since the, it started, I've been emphasizing over and over, encouraging you to reflect on Dhamma all the time, ongoing, not to not to make problems around the any any uh, difficulties or situations that arise in in regards to other people or the environment or what happens in the world. Day I was walking John Grum out in the field again, the, the song, child song, row, row, row your boat gently down the stream, merrily, 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 life is but a dream. I mean, it's true, life is but I never quite understood that when I used to sing that. It's only a dream, like a dream. Sometimes like a nightmare. So, we're rowing our boats down the stream, just to keep, keep uh, with what's happening, isn't it? to be with the breath, to be with w the way it is, because the world that you perceive and create is a dream, it's an illusion. And each one of us has our own world, don't we? Each one of us creates our own dreams. Some of you tell me all kinds of things that I don't believe in or see at all. You have your own views and your own uh, opinions about this and that, about the world, about yourself, about other people. And, you, and uh, some of you actually believe it, that you're right. You're convinced that you're, you're, the world that you create is, is a reality, but it's not. It's a creation of your mind. It's, life is but a dream. The world you create is but a dream. Because the, say that there's the way it is, there's the Dhamma, and then there's the way we think and grasp and create with our minds and project and uh, produce and compound onto a moment. Like reflective meditation, one is bringing attention to just the breathing, the silence, the feeling, the way things are. Then, then the, what I create onto that is something else, isn't it? If I start thinking about things 
on on the level of uh, of greed, hatred, and delusion. I'm in projecting that onto this moment. I could create all kinds of things in this room. You know, if I were paranoid, I could see see uh, spies in IRA in the back, and and uh, I could imagine, you know. If you happen to, whatever way you happen to look, I could create an illusion out of that. Either you're madly in love with me, absolutely head over heels, or, or you want to murder me, or you, you, you like or don't like me, or I could... People do this, don't we? We, 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 we look at each other and then we create something. Some men think that when a woman smiles at them, that the woman is madly in love, head over heels in love. I've seen men do this. They think so. Women, whenever a woman smiles at, at them, that woman's passionately in love with me. They think it's crazy. <laughs> I don't think any woman could love you. <laughs> But that man might think that, that uh, all the nuns and the, all the ladies here are madly in love with him. And, every, and even, if, even if we took in uh, a survey to find out, he still wouldn't believe it because he's so committed <laughs> to this delusion. Some people are that nutty, that crazy. So women, as, uh, I warn you, don't don't go around smiling at men because uh, some of them will think that you're 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 absolutely crazy, head over heels in love with them. Nuns should always look sour-faced, <laughs> cross-eyed, cross your eyes. Saddam Hussein has convinced himself that Kuwait belongs to Iraq. He believes that. And so, it's, if it, then the logic that if it belongs to Iraq, then go in and take it. Of course, you, no matter how many Kuwaitis say, no, you can't, it belongs to, and it still doesn't make any difference because he's, he's, he's made his decision. The world he's created is that. The rest of the, you know, the world says, no, it doesn't belong to Iran, because he still says it does. No matter how many, uh, the, the United Nations says, no, it doesn't belong to you. And he says, yes, it does. How can you deal with somebody like that? Nobody knows what to do with, with somebody who lives in a dream. If you don't agree on on uh, on the on the rules of the game, uh, then you then you uh, and each one plays their own game. Then you you more or less have total anarchy, isn't it? There's nothing much you can no sense of order or agreement. The the reason why we we can live together in the in uh, as a sangha of samanas is because we agree to live under uh, certain rules. We agree on the interpretations and the restraint and the conventions we're using. We've all accepted this. This is, this is our agreement. Otherwise, uh, if you don't agree, then you should, shouldn't be here. You should find some other place. Because the, the uh, necessary condition for, for, for being here, uh, say, is the agreement to live under the restraint, the Vinaya restraint, in the traditional form. So then we can begin to observe our own views and opinions and attitudes and prejudices and biases and ideas that we might have. And we, we can see if it, if it goes against or conflicts with the tradition and the form and the restraint, then we determine not, not to uh, follow that in action or speech. 
So we have something to work with, some, 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 a tool to work with, a way of contemplating our own existence and that which happens to us, a way that we can actually live uh, fairly harmoniously together. But if each one of us had our, made up our own rules, our own vinaya, just think what a mess that would be. We wouldn't be able to live together at all. I mean, we'd be able to how many of you? How many of you agree with everything in the Vinaya? And, and if I'd written the Vinaya, it'd be very different than the one that we have. I'm sure, because my mind thinks, uh, looks at things in different ways than, say, the the way that things are written in the Vinaya. I mean, my conditioned mind. It's an egalitarian American, middle-class mind. That's how it's conditioned through culture and education. So if I'd written the Vinaya, if I had my way, if the Buddha had consulted me, if, uh, if you want to know what I think, and that, well, it would have been very much different than what we have now. <laughs> so uh, it's a good thing that uh, that that's not possible, that, that, we, that we agree to live under this way, this way, because we would all have our own vinayas, they would all be different. And if we don't agree on, make an agreement, then we, how could we possibly live together? We'd be so endlessly quarreling and fighting and, and trying to impose our will or convince the other side or There'd be so many factions that we'd never get around to seeing what's actually going on. And we'd never contemplate Gatanyu Gatawaiti. We'd never, we'd never have the time to be grateful for anything. We'd just be, it'd be survival of the fittest again. It wouldn't last, I and mean, we couldn't possibly expect to have any community survive under that, uh, with each one trying to, each one going by their own rules and doing what they want. Hippie communes never lasted very long. So one is grateful that the Buddha did it the way he did. He said, when I um, when I uh, take my last breath, you have the Dhamma Vinaya as your teacher. So that's our, that's what we, that's our standard and that's our, uh, that's our scripture for reflection. And if we use it in the way that he advised, then it is. It's not, we're not asked to believe or agree or like, but to observe our own conceits, our own views and opinions that, that uh, generate from having to live in a restrained way or keep rules sometimes that we don't see the point of or having to uh, do things or live in a, uh, in a, in a system or an institution that that may that was created and devised at a very different time, a very different place than than the, the countries that we were born in and have conditioned our way of thinking. But it does allow us to look at our conditioned mind, because the the beauty of say the uh, the moral impeccability of of the Buddhist teaching. It is based on non-violence, isn't it? It's ahimsa. And yet we live in a very violent time. There's so much violence, and the weaponry now is so incredibly violent, isn't it? It's horrendous. The weapons that, that human beings have invented in the past hundred years, one hundred years, are absolutely horrendous. It wouldn't be more horrible than atomic nuclear bombs. 
And we can still think about using them. The possibility of dropping nuclear bombs or using uh, bombs of any sort. The idea of, of dropping bombs in Iraq. We, we still, we, we're quite willing to do that now because our societies are very violent ones. The egalitarian American conditioning, white middle class egalitarianism of, of America is still a very violent America. It's, uh, it's a very selfish America, even though it's egalitarian based on equality, it's still me first. I want mine. I have my right. I'm just as good as you are. Who do you think you are? I think you're better than I am. I have my rights. And I'm not going to let you get away with that. I'm going to kill you. I'm going to hit you. I'm going to persecute you. Anything. If you, if you take advantage of me, I'm going to hit you back. I'm going to see that you pay for it. You're not going to get away with it. There's a very American uh, reaction. It's called having guts. Not being a wimp. Uh, where their wimp is, was, would be uh, something else, wouldn't it? Oh, I don't dare uh, stand up for my rights because I'm. I might get hurt. Somebody might. Uh, I don't, I'm frightened. I, I might fail. I might be humiliated. I might be made a fool of. So that the the aggressive, the the uh, violent tendencies also the result brings us back to the cowardly, frightened, self-absorbed, selfish tendencies of our mind. And we can see all those those in, in our life, in the Sangha, can't we? We can see those indignant moments. Well, I'm not going to let you get away with that. Who do you think you are? And uh, I'm going to make you pay for what you've done to me. And well, I've certainly had moments of thoughts and feelings of that nature. And then then there's the wimp and the, the bully and the... Uh, the tyrant and the and the uh, self-righteous twit and the, the jealous green-eyed monster and the vain and conceited male and all of these these are part of of one's uh, experience of life. Looking at these at these conditions as as dumbers to be seen and to not believe in them anymore, not to create, not to act, not to attach to the conditioned realm. <coughs> and we, more and more, as we gain confidence in our practice and in our restraint within this uh, system of training, then uh, we, we begin to really see the suffering, the misery of selfishness and vanity and conceit and pride and ignorance and all, all these, we see the, the misery we create and how it goes on and on. We, not only am I miserable, but I make you miserable with my conceit and my selfishness and my obsessive concern for my interests and my rights, and as that affects you. And if each one of us is only really interested in ourselves and our rights and my view and my opinion, then we have a society of... We don't have a society anymore. We just have a, a, a kind of jumble of beings who, who create endless problems for each other. That's what very much the way the world is now, isn't it, in the, say, the planet Earth. Each country, each little ethnic group, each little division, thinking only of getting all it can for itself, trying to assert itself and, 
and trying to get everything for itself. If Saddam Hussein believes that Kuwait belongs to Iraq, who, he, he seems that is a, that's what he totally believes in. If he didn't believe in it, then you could reason with him. You say, well, you know, Saddam, you know, it doesn't really. I mean, you might think, or you might, it might, you know, geographically, you might assume that it it could very well, you know, or at one time maybe there was a, but you know, Iraq actually, you know, was once a part of Turkey. Did you ever think of that? That maybe you should you should give Iraq back to Turkey. Be reasonable about it. And of course, we all know that the Britain once belonged to the the Celts, and that they, all of all of you British people, mostly, except for the Welsh and the Scots and the Irish, you don't really belong here. Anglo-Saxons and Normans, you all should belong on the continental Europe. You should all go back to uh, mainland Europe and leave it here to the Welsh and the Scots, the pure-blooded ones, the Irish, they belong here more than, than, the, than the Anglo-Saxons or the Normans. And we could carry on, we could really have a, have a good time with that one, couldn't we? Americans, I mean, we don't, white Americans, we don't belong. It belongs to the Indian. White man just went over and took it over, snatched it away. Not fair, brutal, and insensitive, and selfish, and mean. But do you think we're ever going to give it back to the Indians? You're crazy. <laughs> or that the non-Celts uh, of Britain will ever give it, will ever go, give it up to the Celts? It's impossible, isn't it? Those are just ideas and ideals of a human mind. You we we think in terms of this this is this is my land or this belonged to my ancestors. This sense of me and mine, but on further examination, when you investigate me and mine, it all collapses, doesn't it? Who owns what? Who has rights to anything? We're all on this planet together. We all breathe the same air. We're one family on planet Earth, and start thinking of it in terms like that, you don't, suddenly it doesn't, thinking of, of American Indians and Celts and, and whether Kuwait belongs to Iraq or not, or Turkey or whatever, these things don't seem important anymore. When you're thinking, when you're reflecting in a way that, say, is, is in line with Dhamma, with truth, rather than the, than the dreams we create out of our cultural background or ethnic attitudes. You can see in, in Lithuania, the Lithuanians want to assert themselves against that because they feel they've been oppressed and taken advantage of by that monstrous Soviet Union. The Estonians and the Latvians and and the Ukrainians and the and the you uh, know the Soviet Union is a huge country with all kinds of ethnic groups that that are increasingly wanting to assert themselves, and which means that the that this uh, this sense of me first is uh, is a very threatening situation to a very unstable. Uh, country. So the, the tendency is to react in violent ways, to overreact. When you really feel threatened, if you're ignorant, one tends to overreact, don't you? I see myself overreacting. If, if I'm feeling threatened and I'm not being mindful, somebody says, I don't, Samaita, I don't, you didn't uh, do that very well. And How dare you talk to me like that? I've seen you do 
worse things than that. Remember last year when you did what you did? That was a lot worse than what I've done. Shut up, mind your own business, watch your mind. That's the, the kind of overwhelming, you know, the, uh, overreaction to some threat, threatening, in, intimidating remark. One can do that. Why do we do that? Why do we? Why would we react that way? Because we are frightened. We we don't. We we've not. We're not seeing dhamma. We're caught in our own ignorant conceit, and so we we overreact. We say things that are over the top, exaggerated. There's no dhamma in it. We're, we're just caught in a, in a feeling and, and being led away on the wings of that feeling, taken over by it. We get lost and we say things and we do things that we regret later. And then maybe an overreaction is not going to be forgiven. If you're not a very forgiving or humble person, you. I'll never forgive Ajahn Samaya. Do you know what he did to me? Do you know what he said to me? He should I'll never I'll never have any respect for Ajahn Samaya ever again. I can't respect anybody like that. He's supposed to be a, a teach Buddhist teacher, a Mahatera and everything. He's abbot of monastery, and I just you know, totally, totally disillusioned with Buddhism. I'm going to become a Christian again. Ajahn Sumedho just ruined my, my whole, I lost total faith. So that's an overreaction too, because one overreaction can breed another. Unless you're mindful and, and, and see Dhamma. When we see Dhamma, then we can, we use situations for, for understanding a problem or a misunderstanding or to, to to solve a misunderstanding, to understand properly, then we then we have to let go of our egos and conceited views, and and then we can uh, learn how to deal with the situation better, or what, how to, uh, and we can begin to see our own weaknesses. Where we tend to get overwhelmed and deluded, we can observe that. Once we know that place where we, where we get overwhelmed and deluded, we, we're not so vulnerable there. We're not so we're not so apt to follow it or be so deluded by it. That's why you must really study and investigate your weak points, where you fall apart, where you, where you. Uh, feel most threatened and most anxious and most worried and most weak and inept or inferior or unable. Not from a personal, not saying I have this weakness, but to, if you know the, the, what really frustrates or annoys you, upsets you, then you can, you can really pay attention to that and study it, investigate it, until you see how to see the Dhamma of it, rather than just suppressing it, or running away, or overreacting, and, uh, create, and creating more confusion and misery into the world. That's a very, very calming thing, isn't it, to really be able to look at your weakness rather than to just hate yourself for being weak. Or to feel that you have to overreact in order to compensate for a weakness. Or you have to put on an act. You have to look mean and tough and big and officious in order to cover up a sense of insecurity. In the Sangha, we can admit our own weakness. We're not expecting people to to be Superman or, or you know, perfect saints or, you know, uh, uh, Buddha Rupas. 
we can we we always can learn and even when we fail when we even when we go over the top or we we tend to overreact we can we can always learn from that we can admit it we can see what it is that that drives us to that uh, extreme emotional state but not on the personal level we're not analyzing ourselves as from a from a personality view we're looking at the dhamma we're studying practicing dhamma the way things are that's different isn't it than if we're analyzing ourselves from the personality position then it all becomes we become obsessed with ourselves and our feelings and our and our habits and tendencies and we though we start we become overly interested in our personalities in our traits our natal charts our characteristics our tendencies our habits our weaknesses people are identifying with all kinds of things to see dhamma means that whatever whatever the the uh, situation might be you know whether it's a it's a a good one or a bad one whether we feel confident or unconfident whether we feel happy or sad or grateful or ungrateful or selfish or generous or whatever we we our determination is to see dhamma the buddha knowing the dhamma seeing the way it is all that is subject to rising is subject to ceasing to recognize a condition as a condition to recognize the unconditioned to realize the unconditioned and this is the enlightened mind the mind that is light and sees things properly knows things as they are is sensitive and clear and bright intelligent not dull and stupid and selfish and vain and conceited and confused and upset and all the conditions of our mind we by uh, by looking at the condition and the conditions then we are with that brightness of mind that clarity that vision that understanding of dhamma So the best way to work for the welfare of the world at this time and tomorrow, uh, say the 15th, who knows what's going to happen, what kind of overreactions and threats and nasty things will be said and done uh, and how much brutality and violence uh, human beings can perform or commit onto each other. I mean, it's, it's uh, absolutely overwhelming the possibilities of uh, of uh, causing so much death and misery to so many human beings so then we ask ourselves what can we do and not to contribute any more to that whole way of thinking that whole selfish view that obsessed conceited uh, conditioned attitude not in any way to 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 contribute even uh, anything to that anymore to make such a strong determination to be free from all ignorance from all selfishness and by doing that that's a determination now but but we always are with the Dhamma there's always the here and now the breath the way the breath is the silence we can reflect on Dhamma we can see the Dhamma of this moment we can see our own anxieties or anguish or or confusion or whatever that we might be feeling in regard to the prospect of a war and to put your 
faith and trust in the Dhamma, in Buddha Dhamma Sangha, rather than going around blaming, hating, wanting to get even, worrying, uh, uh, all these mental states that we create out of our ignorance and, and uh, prejudices and views and opinions. Give that up for the practice of Dhamma. That's the best thing, that's the greatest gift you can offer all sentient beings at this moment. So contemplate that this evening. If you, if you feel helpless and and uh, somehow unable to do anything for the welfare of sentient beings, or or solving the Gulf crisis, or awakening the population to the dangers, be awake yourself. Don't don't uh, don't uh, go around thinking you have to awaken others. Learn to be that which is awake and aware of truth. Now that. Then you're getting in touch with, with a universal reality rather than just a, a, some personal view or opinion or ideal. The more we, we realize truth as individual creatures, the better it is for everyone, for all sentient beings. If we just continue to to go in our, in the same old ruts and habits of, of biases and prejudices, views, opinions, selfishness, and and uh, just blind attachments to the conditioned realm, then we're just creating the conditions for more Gulf crises and endless hang-ups and problems and uh, in ourselves and in the people around us and the countries we live in and the planet that we live uh, live upon. So it, it puts it you in a position now of being able to to do something real and of great benefit. But it doesn't seem like very much, does it? Like you'd like to maybe Throw yourself, emulate yourself, or, or go over to Baghdad and plead, or to, to stand on the Kuwait, Saudi Arabian border and sacrifice yourself, some kind of grand gesture of protest. If, 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 we, if these were possibilities that might work, we'd, we could do them. If I thought, if I thought I could stop the war by standing on the Kuwait-Saudi Arabian border and being shot, I'd do it. I'd love to do something like that. I'd love to be a hero. I really would. I'd love to die, actually, <laughs> in a heroic way. I think I, one of my romant, romantic images. I have no desire to live to 95 years old, or even to 58, <laughs> even with my Romanian senility cure. It'd be much better to, if I, if I thought for one moment that I could actually stop this madness in the Middle East, by going and standing on the border and sacrificing myself, I'd do it. I'd love to do it. But I don't think it would do much good, actually. It'd be hard to get inside the country. Buddhist monks are persona non grata in Saudi Arabia. And I don't think anybody'd notice, anyway. I'd just get mowed down by a tank. Probably wouldn't even see me, because I sand sand-colored robes. <laughs> So I, I've given up on that one. But I can do this, can't I? I can at least not create delusions in my mind tonight. And uh, I can practice, I can 
contemplate Dhamma tonight and uh, I can refrain from doing immoral actions or speaking in, 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 in appropriate, unsuitable way tonight. I can actually, this is what I can do for the welfare of all beings as a one individual human being at this time and in this place. So think about that. Don't, don't, don't think you have to do something absolutely fantastic and spectacular, but humbly accept the limitation of the situation you're in to do the best you can with it, which is to be with this moment completely, trusting, mindful, and to uh, contemplate the Dhamma, to see and know the truth of the way it is. That we can do, that we can always do, wherever we are, whatever conditions surround us. So I offer this for your reflection.